This is Live Well Talk on Chronic Pain. I'm Dr. Dustin Arnold, Chief Medical Officer at UniPoint Health, St. Luke Cedar Rapids. While many of you are planning on celebrating National Potato Month in the month of September, it's also National Pain Awareness Month. And according to the Center for Disease Control and Prevention, up to 40% of adults in the United States suffer from chronic pain problems. Return to the podcast today is the best dressed man in healthcare, Dr. Stanley Matthew, Medical Director at St. Luke's Physical Medicine Rehabilitation, to share his experience on chronic pain management. Dr. Matthew, welcome. Thank you, Dr. Arnold. It's an honor to be here. Congratulations on the success of the podcast. Uh, a lot of uh, people are listening. It's a great way to uh, get out some awesome information into the community. Hopefully, I can be helpful today, Doc. I, I, I know you can. We've had a pandemic, but quickly during that time, people forgot about the opioid epidemic. Here in eastern Iowa, socioeconomically, it didn't have the impact. But here in Cedar Rapids specifically, perhaps that other communities felt. You know, there's communities in Ohio that are just absolutely devastated following the opioid epidemic. And so we took a look at chronic pain differently. We knew we weren't doing it well. We knew throwing opioids at it wasn't working, and that that came to fruition. And so experts like yourself have been a godsend to a lot of the general medical practices here in town. And I know you've had tremendous success. Let's start with what, what is considered chronic pain? Great question. Great question. Doc, two types of pain, as you know. Uh, for someone listening, there's acute pain, which is what you think of as normal. Uh, Dr. Matthew is being really mean and steps on your foot, and it hurts for a little while. Uh, then there's something called chronic pain, which we're talking about today, which I want you to think about as Dr. Matthew steps on your foot and six months later, it's still hurting. Uh, it's essentially a time period. Anything hurting, by definition, more than six months now falls into the chronic pain category. And science around this has changed tremendously. Uh, and most educated people, as they get new information, has to adopt and change. Uh, and I bring this up to say, even my own thinking pattern uh, from my training 15 years ago has changed tremendously. Uh, you know, you mentioned opioids, huge topic, huge topic. 10 years ago, 12 years ago, it was considered standard practice in the management of chronic pain, uh, meaning that, uh, Dr. Arnold, you remember the world of the fifth vital sign is pain. Uh, yeah. Probably, Doc, when you were a resident, your attending would tell you, Dr. Arnold, if you're not managing someone's pain, you're going to put them at high risk for cardiac issues, longer length of stay. They're not going to get out of bed, so they're probably not going to move and end up with an aspiration pneumonia. Uh, it's because the heart rate's high because you haven't controlled their pain. Now we realize that, uh, yes, pain is, is a significant uh, risk factor and all those things, but the way we manage this has completely changed. Yeah, it, it has been a, a tremendous pendulum uh, that has swung. And maybe we'll talk about that a little bit later about how we, we also don't want to neglect people's pain. You know, uh, pain is inevitable. Suffering is wow. preventable. Wow. And, and I think we have to approach it from that standpoint. But in your practice, what are the most common conditions that cause chronic pain? I'd say the big one off the bat would be uh, any chronic low back pain, post-surgical pain. Uh, 70-year-old man with three back surgeries still has a lot of issues when it comes to pain, getting around, balance and strength. 
Another big topic we see uh, come through our office is fibromyalgia. Uh, it, it's a it's a pretty complex diagnosis that's hard to honestly comprehend, uh, but it's almost as if uh, a patient's whole body uh, is suffering. Good days and bad days, multiple areas of soreness and pain. Uh, it affects almost every aspect of their life, function, quality of life, interpersonal relationships. Uh, typically, these patients have seen a lot of doctors that test them for a lot of different conditions, everything from rheumatoid arthritis to uh, cancer diagnoses, just because uh, it's so overwhelming. Um, and, and we do treat a lot of this and have had some good success. Uh, you know, my understanding of chronic pain now, Dr. Arnold, and uh, I don't want to come across as the science won't change because it might. When I trained 20 years ago, when someone had fibromyalgia 15 years ago, they would say, this is more of a psychiatric diagnosis, kind of like depression, uh, where uh, someone's struggling, it's neurochemicals in your brain, uh, you need uh, some, an antidepressant and some counseling and you'll get through this. Over the last 10 plus years, they found out uh, Dr. Arnold is actually a neurologic diagnosis. They call it hypersensitivity syndrome. Essentially, I, I equate it to it's almost like the volume for pain between the wiring in your brain and your peripheral nervous system. The volume is on way too high, and we need to turn it down a little. And Dr. Arnold, this is me going out on, uh, on a whim, but as I practice, I almost feel like there is something autoimmune related to this uh, chronic pain syndrome. Uh, there's not great blood work out. As you know, a lot of the blood work, even for patients with a common disease like rheumatoid arthritis, I think the recent data is like 65% of the time uh, their blood work comes out negative. Uh, in my own practice, I see this often, Doc. You test somebody for rheumatoid arthritis, year one, it's negative, year two, it's negative, and suddenly at year three, it comes back positive. Uh, even though the symptoms haven't changed. So I feel like there's some element of the autoimmune system going haywire and raising inflammatory markers that is causing uh, chronic pain uh, and mainly fibromyalgia. My, my take on fibromyalgia always was, I mean, uh, I'm older than you. I, I mean, I sincerely practiced medicine before the internet, right? Before the internet was common. Really? Yeah, yeah. And um, I used to think to myself, wow, how are all these patients showing up with the same symptoms without, you know, you, you would sometimes you'd say, did they just rehearse that in the lobby prior to coming back in the room? Because it was so identical. And this was prior to the Internet, prior to chat rooms, prior to Google. Uh, so I think I think it was easy. To, everyone understood there's something here. And uh, it sounds like they have made some progress in that standpoint. Well, if, if I had a chronic pain syndrome and I was coming to your clinic, referred to there by my family doctor, uh, what, what, what would I expect? How, how does therapy begin? Do you establish goals? I mean, just take me through that. Uh, Dr. Arnold, the first thing is establishing trust. A lot of these patients, unfortunately, have been hurting for so long, and they almost feel like a number in a cog in a wheel, not getting any answers. Um, so I, in my own experience now, Doc, as I practice, it's letting them first understand that I believe them, that I understand that they're in pain, and this isn't made up in their, in their head, uh, and that I've had a lot of other patients that have gone through this that we've had some success with, and we want to give them some hope that 
there is a possibility if you hang out with us, spend time with us, do what we're about to do, that you could improve your function. I love what you said about suffering. Suffering does not have to be the way you live your life. So we, we try to start with this benchmark of we understand and we accept. And these are some of the things we found helpful. Doc, I, 10 years ago, uh, thought the best way to manage chronic pain based on my training was managing opioid medication. Uh, for, I'd say, the, the first half of my career here uh, at St. Luke's, we prescribed opioids as we thought safely. We thought that medication managed appropriately with urine toxicologies and pain agreements was the ideal approach to the management of chronic pain. About four years ago, uh, based on new information, we decided to see if we could try our group of patients going opioid-free. It was overwhelming, scary, intimidating, intimidating for the patients. Uh, there's um, new diagnoses that have come out in the last four years called opioid-induced hypersensitivity. That, it reminds me of the neurologist who's treating a headache who says, you're using Tylenol too much. You got to cut out the acetaminophen now because that's actually inducing the headache. Very similar experience over the last three years with opioids. The opioids were so full in most of these patients year after year after year of taking them that uh, you had, didn't have a chance to get to a normal pain level. So that what we started doing is weaning patients off of opioids. It was hard. Uh, it took a lot of um, baby steps of first educating the patient and then coming up with some new and old modalities that's honestly been life-changing. I can It blows me away that, you know, 85% of our patients are better than they were on opioids. Their function and quality of life has improved, as well as their cognition. As you know, Dr. Arnold, I do not think opioids were ever designed to be taken habitually, uh, meaning, um, you know, you break your ankle, you go through a major surgery, you may need it for a week or two, maybe three weeks. But to um, imagine that you break your ankle and three years later, you're still on right, uh, the right, same dose right. of opioids is now considered bad medicine by, uh, by a lot of great researchers. Yeah, I think uh, we could do a whole other podcast on that the uh, opioid epidemic, as well as Purdue Pharma and uh, some of the misleading marketing. Uh, sure. you know, I can remember drug reps coming to us in the early 90s and saying, these are not addictive. They're, you know, right. they right. can't right. get addicted to these medicines. And they're like, well, that sounds really strange because it's morphine and you can get addicted to morphine. And, and, and we wanted to do what was right for our patients. And we felt like we were doing the right thing. You know, well, hey, you don't have this drug. It's not going to get addictive. You're going to and uh, it, it certainly had a detrimental effect. You know, I think we got, we got opioid-related deaths down around 63,000. Uh, maybe under, after the national emergency, it was climbing. And then I, I, I think during 2020, it went up to 96,000. So it rebounded up with the lockdowns and, and COVID, et cetera. You, you mentioned that some new and older therapies, I remember one time specifically, you tell me that uh, gabapentin or Neurontin uh, all of a sudden worked. Celebrex all of a sudden worked in these patients where when it was mixed in with the opioids, they didn't appreciate that these drugs were helpful. Uh, tell us a little bit about that. 
so, Doc, I'm basing this off of our clinical practice of uh, a few thousand patients. Uh, when I was prescribing opioids, most of these non-opioid modalities, and you mentioned some great ones, gabapentin, uh, Lyrica, Cymbalta, Topamax, none of these medications worked at all. Uh, interesting enough, my patients would tell me that only the extra PRN hydrocodone would cut their pain back uh, to a normal scale. We then give them this washout period of gradually weaning them off of opioids. It is tough and hard and it takes work. And, uh, you know, something I do want to talk about is mindset. But after you get there, they're now opioid free and you restart these medications. The efficacy is amazing, Dr. Arnold. A lot of them work. And my own theory is you were, your receptors were so full of stuff that it, the other meds never really had a chance to play in this space. Uh, now that um, you, you, you freed up a lot of receptors, a lot of these non-opioid medications are working. Uh, they're, they're helpful. They're uh, at safe doses. Uh, they feel that uh, they have an overall better quality of life. One medication that is still getting a lot of clinical research done for different uh, um, diagnoses, but a big area is chronic pain. Uh, Dr. Arnold is low-dose naltrexone. Uh, we've incorporated that in our office. Uh, you know, naltrexone uh, at 50 to 100 milligrams is called anti-abuse. Uh, I, th I think it's, it's used essentially for alcoholics that are trying to stay on the wagon, essentially just avoid alcoholism. Uh, at four milligrams, there's tons of European data that have found it helpful in the management of chronic pain. They're not 100% sure how it works. Uh, some, they do think it might be autoimmune related, but we have tried this for some of our patients and we've had some really good success with it. So this is another, uh, another tool in our arsenal. Followed by mindset, Dr. Arnold, and I have to throw in pain psychology into this. Oh, uh, yeah. Dr. Let's not forget uh, Dr. Tallman. Let's talk about pain psychology and his great work. Dr. Arnold, you, you know this better than I do. If you don't think about it, if you don't believe it, it's probably not going to happen in life, Doc, you know? So the first step in anything is wrapping your mind off of, this is the year uh, I'm going to get in my best shape. This is the year I'm going to start spending more time with my kids. This is the year I'm going to get off opioids and deal with my pain. And it starts with mindset. And what uh, Dr. Tallman does so well as a uh, medical psychologist slash pain specialist, he gets you thinking right. Uh, you know, and it's not just one and done. You need to be around. Uh, it takes a village, Dr. Arnold, is where I'm going with this. You need to be around that mindset habitually. There's a reason why personal trainers and personal development gurus are so popular. It's because it does help. You need somebody or something to keep you accountable. Uh, pain psychology de delves deep into mindset of other factors that could be influencing your pain. Non-medication modalities that can reset some of the acute pain you're having. Uh, up on the rehab unit, uh, we have started using... Um, uh, oh my God, I'm, I'm blanking on this, but uh, virtual reality. That's Correct. unbelievable. Correct. A burn patient is getting a horrifically painful dressing change. And you know what I'm talking about. What yeah. to drug. Yeah. It's, it's unbelievable. 
we pop them into virtual reality with the goggles Dr. Talman does, puts them into a mode. They're using less morphine. They're not even asking for their PRN for a painful dressing change. Where I'm going with this is how powerful the, the mind is and mindset and other modalities we, get, we, we need to look into. Um, I'm lucky to have a partner like Dr. Talman who pushes out uh, a heart in the chronic pain space while it comes to our one-on-one modalities. He now has a platform through SilverCloud where he can meet you virtually, which is, as you know, uh, the wave of the future and uh, a, a lot easier than actually coming into the doctor's office to sit down. Uh, but again, it all, it, it all wraps around this term of uh, what are you thinking about, who are you spending time with, and getting your belief system right. And uh, you know what? This is the time where I'm going to actually manage my pain and get back to uh, a functioning member of, uh, of this world. One last question about alternate therapy. One of my favorite football players, Kyle, Kyle Turley, uh, played for the Saints offensive lineman. Uh, had uh, significant spinal cord injury, had surgery, uh, b- barely was able to return, didn't return, and then subsequently retired. But I mean, you know, he played a long time in the NFL. But he now is push- advocating CBD therapy, which as a physician, traditionally trained, when you hear that at first, you're skeptical. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, he, he has other NFL players. These guys went from 200 milligram morphine equivalents a day to zero. And they're taking these CBD products. And you have to stop and say that there, there must be something here. Or it's, it, it can be more harmful than 200 morphine mill equivalents a day of some sort of opiate as far as quality of life, right? I mean, so what, what's your thoughts on the CBD therapy? Great topic, Doc. Uh, a couple of years ago, I think it's been three years now, uh, we do have legalized CBD in this beautiful state of Iowa. Uh, other states, uh, even our neighboring state, Illinois, has gone to uh, the next step of legalizing CBD, THC, which is uh, marijuana, and uh, everything in between those two categories. CBD has been around for a while. The FDA has now approved uh, Epidolex, uh, which is uh, CBD oil for little kids with seizures. Yeah, uh, yeah the one refractory, Lennox Gastau syndrome. They have yeah. refractory seizures and become hypoxic and terrible, terrible, terrible disease. And, and, and it's, it's clinically effective. Uh, in my own patients, uh, as far as it comes to CBD oil, I, I essentially let them know this isn't a regulated space, uh, meaning that when you go try CBD, you're not 100% sure what you're getting. The FDA isn't involved in uh, the uh, organization legalization of CBD oil, uh, meaning the, uh, for example, and that may not be a bad thing, even bottled water isn't regulated by the FDA. That's why there's, you know, million different versions of bottled water out there. My experience with CBD oil is uh, it can help some people and it's definitely worth a shot. Why is it sometimes hard? It's cost prohibitive. It's very expensive. We have a CBD oil program in, in Iowa that has five dispensaries throughout the state, their CBD that they have has a little bit of THC versus the CBD oil that they sell at Walmart, Walgreens, and you'll see around, which is just pure CBD oil. Um, There are a list of conditions that the state has uh, for approved uses of CBD oil with THC that you 
can get at the dispensaries. Chronic pain is one of them. Uh, does it help all my patients? No, like most things. Can it help some patients? Absolutely. Is it safe? Again, as a doctor, I can't vouch for it. Uh, there's not enough testing. We don't know interactions. And again, it's not FDA regulated. So uh, I would tell you, if you're using this, definitely talk to a provider to, to let them know what you're taking. Could it interact with your heart medication, your digoxin or amiodarone? Possible. Uh, now, let's speak from just from a pure healthy patient standpoint. I would tell you, I 1,000% agree with the thought of using CBD is a lot better than using high doses of morphine equivalent. Right. Uh, where I have seen it the most helpful, Doc, in clinical practice, it really helps with anxiety and sleep for a lot of people. I haven't seen a huge benefit for patients with uh, chronic pain yet in the world of a CBD, but what, uh, what is great about, about this, though patients with chronic pain typically aren't sleeping that great. Uh, sleep is, you know, I, I, know, I know when you've worked three nights in a row, by the next day, you know, your whole body's hurting just because you haven't gotten great sleep. And anxiety is common, Doc. Um, you know, anyone suffering with chronic pain, typically their nerves are a little bit too hot and that can help slow it down. So I personally have no, you know, ethical or moral uh, obligations. I think uh, it'd be great if the FDA did some more testing so as doctors we could have uh, some, some really great data to share with our patients. Sleep is so important. I think it was Shakespeare's Macbeth that sleep knits the raveled sleeve of life, I believe is the quote from Macbeth. But, you know, my two rules on CBD is, one, you have to be 25 years or older because we know brain development is done by then. You know, so you have to be there. And we just, let's just make sure first it, it's not harmful. I can't say it's helpful, but let's make sure it's not, like as you point out, not interfering with medications or, or causing harm. And I think those that's good advice from that standpoint. Well, Dr. Matthew, thank you so much for joining me today. It's always a pleasure. This has been great information. Once again, Dr. Stanley Matthew. Medical Director at St. Luke's Physical Medicine Rehabilitation. For more information, visit unipoint.org. Thanks for the time, Doc. Thank you for listening to Live Well Talk On. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to spread the word, please give us a five-star review and tell your family, friends, neighbors, strangers about our podcast. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Pandora, or wherever you get your podcast. Until next time, be well.